It's time to find balance and be refreshed here on Every Heart, Every Woman. Every Heart, Every Woman. Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Every Heart, Every Woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview for today, we're going to set the tone with just a little bit of live music. This is Deliverer. It is performed by Douglas File and Candy West. Sit back and enjoy. Sometimes we fall, sometimes we fall, sometimes we fall, sometimes we stumble. 
Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. I hope you enjoyed Deliverer that is performed by Douglas File and Candy West. Well, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Go to Love Ministries Bills. Dot org, and you can find out all of the information about Love Ministries. We are still meeting with our young people uh, through technology throughout the shelter in place season, so feel free to reach out to us. Well, everyone, I'm very excited about our interview for today. Again, uh, normally we are in the studio sitting uh, across each other, looking at each other in the eyes, but with the power of technology, we are still able to do that and still able to record radio shows and bring you great programming. We are welcoming my good friends, John and Patrice Simon. John has been a business owner for the past seven years. His business is called JAS Entities Solutions, and his wife, Patrice, is a physician assistant with Legacy Dermatology. And um, both of you all, first of all, thank you so much for being here with us today. It is our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Well, you know, everyone, I have been praying and reaching out to basically our listeners and saying, what would you, what kind of programming would you like for through this shelter in place season? They came back to me and said they would like to hear from a business owner and how, you know, um, how this is affecting business and what are business owners thinking and feeling and going through. And they also wanted to hear from someone in, um, in the health field. And so I've been praying for, um, you know, someone to just pop up out of thin air and John, you and I were having a conversation about scripture and I thought, okay, John and Patrice, they are perfect for this. So I truly thank you all for, uh, for your time. And I know that everything that we discuss is going to be helpful to our listeners. John, I would like for you to kind of start us off um, with the conversation that you and I had. You you kind of have been researching scripture and researching kind of the meaning of this season. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for your business? I would love for you to share with our listeners your research about Passover and how it relates to this shelter in place season. 
Well, so um, this all kind of came about, uh, as you know, we all have uh, a lot of time on our hands with mm-hmm. the shelter in place and COVID-19 and the, I call it physical distancing because uh, social distancing um, just doesn't seem to be fit the mold as much because we still want to stay connected to not only as business people, not only our, our customers and our um, business associates, but at this point, we need to kind of physically be a part simply from a point of safety so that we're not inadvertently spreading um, an unseen virus to you know those that we care about our business partners that we want to keep continuing to, to do business with. So during that time, I, I got a phone call from an, another good friend of mine. If you're like me, you've been calling people um, to kind of stay in touch or, or keep a relationship alive. Mm-hmm. And talking uh, this particular time, it was early uh, before Passover. It was like Monday or Tuesday, the week of Easter. And, um, you know, I was pondering or, or kind of just bouncing things off of him, he's a business owner as well, about um, the big um, need for everyone to kind of get back into church and start celebrating Easter. And because we need to get the, the country open and we need to get businesses back started. And I was wondering what the significance of Passover and Easter and why that in particular was a, um, a a day that it needed to happen when uh, the data from the medical community was telling us that we really weren't past the peak of what this thing is doing and mm-hmm. it would be a bad move um, and cause a resurgence in, in the virus spreading. And so, you know, in, in those situations when you don't understand what's going on. Sometimes it's just really good to go see, you know, what the Bible's saying about it. And so I went to, you know, Exodus 12 and I just started reading about Passover uh, at that point. And while we were having that conversation, it kind of just struck me that we're in a sense having another Passover. I mean, when you, I've read that scripture, Exodus 12, many times, I'm sure there are many people that listen to your show that have read that same scripture all about the Exodus, you know, Moses coming to uh, liberate the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of over 400 years of bondage. And it's a significant story. There's been movies made of it. Um, and so I, in reading that, started to see some correlations that to me just kind of mirror present day. One, you know, all of the families during the Passover, you know, the whole thing was they had, in Egypt had endured nine plagues. Uh, and this, the, the plague of the firstborn being the last one, and the way that God gave them or to protect their firstborn from, from dying from the plague, the firstborn sons in particular, and cattle, um, was to uh, cover their doorpost in the blood of a lamb. Mm-hmm. Each family at twilight, the night before, were to sacrifice a lamb, and that lamb being a sheep or a goat, um, and then use the blood of that that animal to paint the doorpost of the people that were to be 
um, passed over by the plague that was coming through the land to kill the firstborn. And, and that's simply how God protected them. There was, there was no other, uh, you know, science in it other than the, the blood on the doorpost. And so in reading that, I saw how those families were not, um, they were not cohabitating in that, that night with their neighbors. It was really, every family had their own house, their doorpost was painted, and then the people in that house were only of that family. And the Bible even goes as far as to say, if a um, uh, animal was sacrificed and one family could not consume that entire animal, then they were to share the meat portion of that animal with another family. But it doesn't say they're to, to stay in the same house. And so all of the families during the Passover were sequestered and they were sequestered in their houses, fully dressed, um, having a meal of, uh, of lamb or goat. And that meal had to be roasted over a fire. And then along with that, they had unleavened bread, which is simply bread without yeast and bitter herbs. And during the night, they would, um, that's how they endured the, the, the plague coming through as it killed the firstborn. Well, you know, we, the correlation is this. We are now in a situation where families are having to be sequestered in their houses. Um, there's a shelter in place. Families are not going over and visiting with other families. Um, we are going to the grocery store. And while we're not following the Passover meal um, directives, we're all going to the grocery store. We're bringing that food home. We're cooking at home. And, and essentially, everyone's just kind of waiting this thing out in their own houses. And the crazy part that kind of struck me is that we, did, we didn't put blood on the posts of our doors. But if I'm being totally transparent with myself uh, and, and the people that are listening to you, I still wanted that blood on my doorpost, mm -hmm. right? Because... You know, when I go out and I put my mask on and I go to the grocery store and I get whatever goods I'm going to get and I bring them back home and I follow whatever directions that they've given us to make sure we're, we're being safe, that feeling of when I come home and I know that there's no one here that has COVID, um, I feel for those families that do and I, we pray for those families, but I feel that sense of safeness when I, when I come back home because this is a safe environment. This is a place where the plague outside will cross over or pass over me. And I don't know, is that, I wrote it down as, is that a right feeling? I really don't know, but I still want that blood on my doorpost, right? I want the plague that's in the land to pass over my house. I want to be protected. I want my firstborn protected or whatever. You know, this, we know that this plague is not targeting a certain uh, group within like the families. And I, it's not targeting firstborn sons or, or cattle. It, it's pretty much hitting whoever it's gonna hit. Mm -hmm. It's been you know, proven that it, it will kill the young as well as the old. And it has no um, you know, uh, gender or race or any other uh, type of targeting. It's killing everyone across the board. Some in greater percentages than others, but still, um, everyone's represented it as far as death, deaths are concerned. And so that is just like the Passover of, of the past, right? I mean, and it's, 
that we're dealing with the same thing. And, and Easter uh, is one of the two holidays that is a global holiday, or it's a globally recognized point in time, right? Unlike, you know, things that are done just in the United States or things that are just done just in Europe or in Israel or whatever. Easter is one of those things that crosses the globe. And look at this plague. It's global. It's everywhere, uh, you know. So no one cannot pay attention to it. And then there are many countries that are doing exactly what we're doing. They're sheltering in place or they're sequestering people with families at home. And those families are having to do the same thing we're doing. They're going out, they're, they're acquiring food and they're bringing it home and they're, they're cooking at home and they're spending all of this time with their families, their children, their mothers and fathers. Um, and, and they're not even, in a sense, going like sons and daughters are not going to their fathers and, and mothers' houses. Mm-hmm. They're staying home for fear of maybe you know, taking something to the older generation that have shown to be susceptible to this, you know, to this virus. So that's just like the, the time of, 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 of old, over 3,000 years. That's exactly what they did. And then it struck me, okay, so what, why, why was there Passover, right? Why was there a Passover in Egypt? Well, I mean, when you read scripture, that was God's way of finally liberating the children of Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like it was like God dropping a bomb on Egypt. It's like, okay, you know, uh, for us in the United States, we didn't get out of World War II until we dropped an H bomb, and that bomb was so severe that it it brought about the surrender of Japan because it took out so many people, it was so devastating. Well, Passover was that same thing to Egypt. I mean, after that, they basically told the children of Israel, hey, take whatever you want, gold, whatever, and leave. You're free. And that was the mass exodus that happened in Egypt. But the question that I was left with in pondering this, and I've shared with you and some other people is, what is God trying to free us of? Now that's that's the real one, right? What are what are we in bondage of? And we don't even know. I mean, the children of Israel knew they were in bondage, and they were praying and asking God to free them uh, from bondage. But I I get a sense that there are some things globally that we are imprisoned by. We don't even know it. And maybe this is God's way of trying to help us or free us from something. And when I was talking with you, that is what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying over myself, my wife, my friends, is that not only as individuals, but also as business owners, we figure out why this is happening or why God is allowing this and, and see what he's trying to free us out of or disconnect us from or get us to our promised land in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I also pray is that I'm not um, um, a complainant person during this process. Like 
the one significant thing, if you look at the story of the children of Israel, once they left Egypt, then they there was some complaint and discontent mm-hmm. and a, a journey that should not have taken as long as it did, took 40 years. Well, I don't know what God's end game is, but I do trust just like he led the children of Israel with a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night, and he gave them quail to eat and manna from heaven, he provided all their needs. And not only were they in the wilderness for 40 years, but that their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. He, he sustained them. And I want to remember that. And I don't want to be a complainant person. Um, now that relates directly to my business. My business is, is seeing the same effect that everyone's business is. Even though uh, the things that I provide and the customers that I provide them for, for, it's a very niche audience. It's a very specific line of products. So I'm not affected like, say, a restaurant is affected, where they've shut down and now that if they can do takeout, it's it's maybe you know a tenth or twenty percent of what they normally do during a business day when they can have people within their in their restaurant doing mm-hmm. business. But my business has slowed down because the people I do business with, their business has slowed down drastically. And while I'm still getting trickle effects of, of revenue generation, it's, it's greatly diminished. But I want to trust. I pray God's trust during this process. And the things that he's liberating me from, liberating my family from, my friends and all of the people that I'm associated with, I want us to visually be ready to see that and see God's work in our lives during this really, really crazy time. Because COVID is going to fundamentally change the world going forward. You know, even if there is some sense of normality within the years coming, we're going to have to change or the world's going to fundamentally change in certain ways. And those things are going to be forevermore, just like now with 911, everyone has to do a different kind of security check getting on an airplane. It's going to have the same effect. Yes. And you know what? I I love everything that you've shared, John. And um, I have been just like you, you know, saying, Lord, what are you ridding me of? And what are you... um, you know, teaching, saying to me and saying for my family during this time and saying for my business during this time. And one thing that comes to mind is that even though we are not um, together in person physically a lot, um, we are using technology now more than we ever have. And socially, we are closer to people than we've ever been before. And furthermore, the word of the Lord is going out through technology more than it has ever been. People are uh, tuning in to church. People are tuning in and wanting to see what is the word of the Lord for today? What is the word of the Lord for my week to help me get through another week? And so I honestly pray that the Lord is setting us up for a revival that at the end of this, that we would come together back physically 
and really worship the Lord and really realize that he's teaching us that he is in control, that our trust must uh, stay with him, that we cannot trust in a lot of other things in our abilities to build things, build, build our business, build our families, provide for our families. Honestly, it is the Lord that is doing all of those things. So um, let, I know it's time for us to take a break. Let's take a break and we're going to jump back into this conversation. We'll be right back. Heart Every Woman, the show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Now let's get back to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Well, welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. I am joined today by husband and wife couple, John and Patrice Simon. John has been a business owner for the past seven years. His business is JAS Entity Solutions. And his wife, Patrice Simon, is a physician assistant with Legacy Dermatology. And Patrice, I would love for you to, um, to, uh, to come into the conversation now I know that all healthcare providers are on the front lines of fighting COVID-19. And I also understand that this affects different areas of the healthcare system in different ways. So first of all, Patrice, thank you so much for being on the front line of this. I know that every single, um, every single person in the healthcare system is doing, are all doing their part and it's, they're all doing their part in different ways. So I appreciate you for, uh, for the part that you're playing in this, but for your particular area of dermatology, how has this affected, um, your work and what advice are you giving your patients to help them to stay healthy? Well, thank you so much for having me, Carla. Um, so it's a little different with dermatology as opposed to other health specialties. Um, with dermatology, we really are um, hands-on um, medicine. And so when we do hands-on medicine, it's, it's difficult to do via televisits. Um, so a lot of medicine has switched over to telemedicine where you're seeing patients virtually. Um, a lot of your listeners are likely calling into their doctor's offices and giving their symptoms or doing them via a questionnaire. Um, that's not as easily translated to dermatology. So we've actually not been seeing patients in clinic. Um, we've switched a few patients that we can do to telemedicine, but we can't do every patient encounter that way. Mm -hmm. But what we've basically been telling patients is, you know, if you have a very urgent need, um, we will um, address it as accordingly patient case by case, but most of our patients, we are um, just telling them we're going to delay until everything settles down and we can get back to seeing patients in clinic. Um, being in different health specialties, we most of those offices have closed down. Um, dentist office, ophthalmology offices, they're not seeing in-house patients because those services can't really be done 
virtually. So right now I have just been support system for other healthcare people, mostly in prayer, um, because I can't physically be with my patients. Um, We're being the kind of help system for that. Our office in particular has, um, we've kind of partnered with some volunteer organizations in um, our area, we're in Frisco. Um, and so we have some, um, some volunteer opportunities where we're um, housing different, um, different PPE for um, people going out, delivering food to different people. So we, that's where we are kind of um, building that gap for our community. Um, and since we're not technically in the front lines, we are being a help to them. So um, since I'm not in the front lines, I actually reached out to some of my um, classmates that are across the country who are in the front lines and kind of asked their opinions and their thoughts as they are out there battling COVID. Um, and they gave me some really good information. Um, so that's kind of where we are um, as far as legacy dermatology and being in our part of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I would love to share with you some of the things that they kind of told us about COVID and um, being in the front lines. Um, they first, they were appreciating everyone doing their shelter in place. Um, they found that to be very helpful on their side of medicine, um, seeing patients. Um, I have one particular classmate who is in New York um, and she's doing that really hard work of seeing patients um, come in. And she said the, the last week, um, things have kind of tapered off. Um, they're still seeing um, patients, but not as many new cases. Um, and she also wanted to let your listeners know, just everyone to know that um, most people, if they do get sick, um, they're not um, getting extremely sick, but the people who get really sick get really sick quickly. Um, and so um, it's, it's really important for patients to understand that if they, if, or people in general to understand that if they, that community spread. So community spread is really hard to understand because it's a very medical term. But what that means is that you have that person gets infected by somebody that they um, that they don't know that they're spreading the virus. So they were, the main thing she wanted people to understand is that you can't tell if you're spreading the virus if you have very little symptoms. And so that's why it's important for people to stay at home because you may have really mild symptoms and you're okay, but you could spread it to somebody who would not have mild symptoms and they would get really, really ill and they could um, end up in the hospital. Um, and then once they're in the hospital and they're on a ventilator, those are the people who have very bad outcomes, meaning that they don't survive um, or they're getting really, really ill um, and staying really ill for a while. So those are some, those are one of the things, the main things that they wanted people to understand. Um, also, they wanted to make sure that people knew that um, that it's it's a very interesting time in medicine because these cases are they're different than anything else the healthcare system had seen prior to this. So any other cold or flu that they had seen prior to COVID, um, they were treating patients for pneumonia. They cut um, outcomes. With these cases, it's a very case-by-case patient load. Some patients will come in with mild symptoms and, you know, um, and then they will stay at home with their healthcare provider at home, but the people that they're seeing in the hospital get sick very rapidly, um, and then they get in the hospital for 
five minutes to an hour, and then they end up in the ICU, which is very different than a cold or a flu, where those tend to progress over days to sometimes weeks. Um, so that's the, those are one of, those are some of the things I wanted to make sure that people understood. And then the final thing that my friend Beth said is that um, when patients get sick, they're not really allowing anybody else in the hospital with them. So that's true, not just in New York, but it's also here in Texas, where if you are ill and you go to the emergency room, you are the only the patient is allowed to go into the hospital. So that um, people before people understand that if you were to get sick, um, it's really important to know that your loved one is being cared for in the emergency room or in the hospital, but they will be the only one who's there. Um, and if they can, if someone out there is affected by COVID um, or they're having to go to the ER, make sure that that loved one has a cell phone with them so that the, the hospital staff can communicate with the family via that cell phone because those patients um, are probably not going to be able to communicate um, on their own. So that's one thing she really wanted people to understand as well. Yeah, that's great. That's that's really wonderful information. Um, the thing that I take, uh, you know, the thing that hit me, especially about New York, I'm glad that it, it seems like maybe they're over the curve a little bit. Um, she would say that that's true, but they're still seeing a lot. Of, they have a lot of really sick people on ventilators. Um, and she has actually been able, so she's been staying in a hotel where she would stay in the hotel so she doesn't get her family sick. Um, and that hotel was, was nice enough to give them um, free hotel stays while they're um, fighting COVID. Um, and then she, so she's actually this past weekend been able to go home and see her family. So that was one thing that she said that it's nice that things are getting a little bit better. But she does. She's her fear is that people will lax their um, their responsibilities of you know being socially distant or um, staying away from other people in public, and things could go back to being bad again. Um, so that's one thing that she she's like. Well, it's really good that we're getting there over the hump a little bit, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that, that's great to know. So Patrice, what would you say to, um, to families now that, you know, we're, we're in shelter in place and if you are not sick and so we, we, it, it is our responsibility, um, from what I'm hearing, from what you're, the information that you've given us, it's our responsibility to do the shelter in place. Um, what would you say about helping us to keep our families healthy, like as far as eating and exercise and, and those kinds of things? So that's, that's a really key, important thing. I'm glad you, you said that because I don't think a lot of people understand that your body needs to be strong if, for all the reasons, you know, whether you're going to get um, affected by COVID or not. Um, it's really important to keep you know, listening to your show is one thing that will help them. It's going to help their mental health um, keep them positive during this time because it's really easy to start to veer towards the negative. That's one thing that's a, one thing that's going to help them stay healthy. 
Um, and then exercise is really important. Um, it helps your immune system, helps your body have be ready to fight if it needs to fight. Um, and exercise is really important. I know for myself and for my patients, I always am, am, and tell them that you know working out at least 30 minutes a day is really important. Um, doing a combination of cardiovascular exercise, so you know running, um, or you can do that. You know if you can do that, staying away from other folks. You know, just around your neighborhood, taking your and your family for a walk. Since you guys are sheltering in place together, you guys can go for a walk together. Um, videos on YouTube. So one thing I have found to be super helpful is YouTube videos. There is a vast variety of different types of videos that are absolutely free um, that you can do for 30 minutes, an hour. Um, it can teach you how, and the nice thing is that you can pause it and you can go back and if you're doing the you're not doing the move correctly, you can go back and do it again until you get it properly done. So that's one of the nice things that I have found to be helpful for my own health practices is going out, um, finding those videos and spending, you know, at least 30 minutes of time of movement. Um, even though we're inside and we're doing lots of things um, socially through um, these technology systems, we can still move our bodies. That's important. Um, and then also having a healthy diet. That's where John has come in because John does most of the cooking in our house. Um, and so he tends to make our meals almost every night. Sometimes I'll help. <laughs> but um, we have been trying to eat um, as healthy as possible during this time. It's, it's more difficult because you're um, trying to use all the things in your pantry. And sometimes they're not the things that are the most healthy, healthy choices. Um, but making sure that you're getting your vegetables in, you know, getting in um, some protein um, with some fat in there. Um, trying to eat healthy so your body has what it needs to stay healthy. So I think those are the three things I would say. Keep your, you know, your mind very active and positive, you know, moving your body, eating healthy for yourself. Well, really, there's a fourth element, too, and it's the spiritual element that we were talking about early. All those things, keeping your health, body as healthy as possible will give you your best armament if you were to be, you know, encountered with COVID or just for your general health in general. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thank you so much, Patrice. I, you know, at the beginning of our shelter in place, um, I realized I started, think, I kind of start feeling a change in my body. We, we do exercise every day and we, um, since we live out in a rural area, it's, a little easier. Um, I think it's a little easier for us because it's easier for us to kind of go outside and there's enough room for us to stay se separate, you know, from other people. We're closer to animals than we are, you know, uh, <laughs> getting close to other people. But yeah, yeah it's, it's like a, a two mile. Um, if we go down our street and back, it's two miles. So we've been power walking doing that. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I realized uh, at the beginning of this, I thought about that when I'm at work, I eat a salad for lunch every day because I had started, you know, preparing some kind of lunch for the family. And then, of course, we cook dinner. Either um, I cook dinner or Roosevelt cooks dinner. And then I start thinking, you know what? When I'm at work, I usually don't eat meat for for lunch. And so I could feel a change in my body. And I told Roosevelt, I said, we need, I, you know, we need to go back to um, just eating a, a, a nice salad 
you know, for lunch. And I would get some avocados and mangoes and, you know, dried cranberries and all that kind of stuff. Make it up, you know, really nice. And we started doing that. And so um, I I can't vouch for what Roosevelt used to eat for lunch, but now that's what he eats for lunch now during this shelter in place. <laughs> I will say that it's, it's easier to do a home meal. Like I feel better with eating the meals that we're cooking from home because working in a medical office, we get these really awful meals that are sent to us. They're, it's sweet and it's, it's nice. It's nice to have a free meal, but usually it's a meal of junk food. So it's, you know, that's the nice thing is that we get to control what we consume when we're home. And um, that's nice to know that we're eating, you know, a, a healthy meal. And John's very good at making sure that what we eat is healthy. Um, sometimes I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the best influence on that sometimes just because I, I like my sweets. <laughs> but, you know, again, uh, people can use the Internet to help them in that. You, you don't have to go to any specific site per se. You can just go to Google and say, what can I make with? And then list the stuff that you have in your pantry. And you'll be surprised. There'll be a myriad of recipes that come up that will utilize the very things that you have in your icebox and pantry, seasoning-wise and everything, so that you can come up and you can go in and choose which ones are more healthy than others. And you can utilize, not that helps you with food waste, one, um, so you're not throwing away old vegetables that you didn't didn't know what to do with, right? You got that half of celery in there, and you're like, what can I do with this, right? The internet can help you do that. I've, I've done that numerous times during this whole process and come up with some, some pretty good dishes that not only are more healthy, simply they're going to be more healthy because you're making them at home. You don't have all the salt and butters and all of the things that restaurants add to make things taste incredibly great, but they still taste really good. And you still utilize all that stuff. So you're not wasting any food, which means you're not wasting any money. Um, so again, Google, what, you know, what can I make with blank and fill in the blank, help you and help you all the time with, with great ideas. Yeah. And the thing about that too, is that when you're looking at those meals, if you're like, Hmm, I want Mexican food, you can kind of cater what you have in your pantry to what your tastes are that day, just like you would if you were ready to go to a restaurant. You know, you can always say, well, today we want an Asian meal or we want a Mexican meal. Like when you're looking at the things on Google, it's nice because you can see all the different food options. Yeah. And be, you know, be bold. Try something new. I mean, this is a time where everyone's doing something new, right? And learning something new. And why not learn how to cook better along with this, right? So. Yeah, those are great tips. So I've, I've never googled this is what i have what can i make um from that that's a great tip i honestly hadn't hadn't thought about that and and honestly i think this brings us back to the scripture that we started with um the meal that john that you said was in the you know the the lamb right. the salad basically yeah. Yeah. and 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 the unleavened bread yeah yeah Right. Make makes makes a, a, a great meal and a, a great healthy, well balanced, you know. Exactly. You yeah. know, bitter herbs, it was unleavened bread, and, and roasted meat, not it's specific the Bible specifically says that, that, that they didn't want it boiled, and I'm assuming, you know, they they weren't frying things. It says roasted. 
over a fire. Um, one other crucial, I think I, I left this out earlier, point with that whole meal. The Passover meal was that night. It was one night Passover happened. Obviously, our Passover, we're going on, what, five, six weeks now? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's elongated. But one other thing that was specific in the scripture was the unleavened bread. They were to eat that for seven days. They were instructed to eat unleavened bread for seven days. Now, I don't know what the rest of the meal consisted of those other days because the Bible is not specific in that. The unleavened bread, it is specific. Eat that for 11 days. And during that time, they could do no work. Now, we're not going to make that decision to not work. The decision has been made for us. And there's a pressure right now, even today, where people are scrambling to get back to work. But for whatever reason, God wanted in this time, he didn't want people going to work. And we have figured out ways around that at home with via internet, but it's still not the same as what happens when we go into an office or we go into our businesses or wherever we do, we do our work. It's different. It's greatly diminished or it's parceled out difference because you, you have to do work and then you have to spend time with your kids. You have to educate them. They have to do school. There are other things that interfere with that. And no level of work can be done the same in a home during this period of time as it is when you're going to an office. So, I mean, again, that, that correlation is, is, is significant to me as, as to how God is, is orchestrating this time in our lives. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that I was thinking of um, is the, in that scripture, the, the, that you cooked, you know, for your family and there was more that you would share, you know, with, with someone else. And I think that's another thing that this time is really bringing up, that even though we are physically uh, distant from each other, we are thinking about each other more than we have before. You know, we're, we're reaching out to people and Patrice, you said that your office is supporting those um, other areas of the healthcare system that, that are, you know, treating the COVID-19. And, and that's something that probably we, you know, we wouldn't have done if we didn't have to stay in this shelter in place for, for so long. Our minds are on other people and do they have enough food? Do they have, you know, what they need? And we're thinking of ways to bless other people. Um, Here in our district, they started something. And I think other districts are doing that as well because our daughter is a senior. So the end of, you know, year activities, they're missing. So now they started this, um, this private thing on Facebook where you can post some pictures and and a little bio about your senior. And then another family will adopt that senior and go and get some things for college and some snacks, put it together like in a a little laundry basket that they can take to college and you go and put it on their doorstep. And then you text them and say it's on their doorstep. Yeah. And that's so sweet. And then you get to take pictures and post and say, you know, look, my senior had a great day today. They got all of this, you know, stuff. And so there are a million ways to mm-hmm. say, okay, how can I help my neighbor without, you know, physically 
you know, going over there and myself, but what can I do for my neighbor? What can I, how can I be in contact with people who need food and how can I help? Um, you know, there are so many ways um, that that we are seeing that we are sharing with other people, and so there, there, there are really some things that the Lord is bringing out of of this shelter in place season. So, um, John and Patrice, we thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being on the radio show. It has been um, just a great conversation and absolute pleasure. So, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, us. Yeah, thank you so much. Hope it helps. Amen. I'm sure I'm absolutely sure that it will. Well, everyone, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries. Love Ministries is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Go to loveministriesbuilds.org for all of the great information about Love Ministries. Go to my website, keep up with everything um, that the Lord has me doing in this season. It's carlanivens.com. Overall, everyone have a great week. We'll see you back here next week. Oh, mm-hmm.